It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Mental health is essential to our overall well-being. When we feel mentally well, we can work productively, enjoy our free time, and contribute to our communities. Many believe that mental health occurs in the brain, but in reality, it is the result of everything going on in the body. What we eat, how we move, our body's chemistry all factor into mental well-being. Joining us today to talk about wellness tools that can help us live a balanced and full life is Victor Brick, the co-founder and CEO of Planet Fitness Growth Partners, the largest privately owned franchisee in the Planet Fitness franchise system. Victor also co-founded the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation. Welcome, Victor. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on, John. It's a real pleasure. So, Victor, you created the John W. Brick Foundation as a result of losing your brother to mental illness. Can you tell us a little bit about the struggles that your brother faced? Sure. Uh, my brother, John, was the, uh, was the most talented one of five children in our family, my oldest brother. He had more ability in his little finger than I had in my entire body. But he was plagued by this thing called mental illness. In his case, it was schizophrenia. And it followed him around wherever he went and whatever he did. And ever and. and uh, John would be on this, this cycle where he would require medication to become lucid and to be able to function. The medication would make him feel better. He would realize how horribly the medication was making him feel physically and what it was doing to his body because he was a good athlete. And he, we were all, there was four brothers and we all liked to do sports together and he, he couldn't function. He couldn't, couldn't um, physically function. And so he would get off the medication. And, of course, that would begin to spiral back down into a state of uh, psychosis and, uh, and mental illness. And, and uh, as he got older, he began to show signs of mental illness in his early teens. And as he got older, and I'm talking about the 30s and the 40s, he, it, it began to become more acute. And at times, he would, it would be so bad that he would run away from home if a grown man can quote run away from home and by now my parents were living in florida and they were basically to spill his caregivers and everything with his wards so he would always return to silver spring the dc area where we grew up because that was where his childhood was where he was he was most uh, happiest memories of sports and hanging out with the brothers and friends and he would become homeless and i was always the one that would go to try to find him because I was living in Baltimore. And I would literally drive around the streets of Washington, D.C., looking for my brother. And somehow, I always found him. One time I found him sitting on a wall in DuPont Circle, wearing nothing but a pair of jeans, no shirt, no shoes, no socks. Fortunately, it was the middle of the summer. And I would bring him back to Baltimore, and put, we would put him in one of the mental hospitals in Baltimore, one of the state mental institutions, and... and they would get him back on his medication, and the cycle would continue. 
I was always able to save him except for the last time. And as he got older, his 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 uh, acuteness or psychotic episodes decreased, but his mind began to basically become in a permanent state of of psychosis where he believed the devil was after him and everyone was his enemy. And, and he thought that he had to start doing penance for his sins. How else could he be plagued by all these horrible things? And so he began to remove himself from society and withdraw into his little trailer home we got nearest my parents' home because we couldn't keep him with my parents anymore. He, 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 could, he was a danger to himself and others. The point is that the last time when my father found him on the you know, he began to remove himself from all the modern appliances, air, uh, phone, radio, TV, refrigerator, and finally the air conditioner. And when my father found him on the floor of that trailer home, when he had gone to pick him up and take him to the doctor's appointment, and he was passed. He was deceased. It was 110 degrees. And we don't know if he died from heat stroke or from the heart attack because of the medication, what the medication did to over 40, 50 years of, of medication. It didn't matter to my mother. She said, enough, he's gone. So she wouldn't allow them to do an autopsy. I know the medication killed him. Mm-hmm. And, and at his funeral, it was one of the saddest affairs we, my wife and I ever attended. It was only the immediate family there. And it was as if this beautiful person's life, and he was such a beautiful person in every way, one of the kindest souls you'll ever meet, one of the kindest hearts. But it was as if his life never mattered. And it was nobody there to mourn. And I said, this is not the way my brother's going to go out. And I'm not going to have others. I'm going to do whatever I can to prevent others from having to go through what our family went through. And that was the genesis of the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation. So, Victor, first of all, I'm very sorry for your loss, and I'm really sorry to hear this type of story. But I have to ask, how common is this story in one degree or another? How many families are living through what you and your family and your brother experienced? You see all those homeless people out on the street that you see now? Right. All those people you're walking by that have those cups that you think are lazy? When I say you, I'm talking about you as, as, as the general public. I think they're my brother. They're talented many of them. They're, they're educated. They have a loving home and they have a non-functional mental state. They, they, have a, they have a mental condition. They have an illness. And there's millions of them that are going through exactly what I'm going through. Those people you see standing out in the middle of the road with nothing on, like I said, my, my brother with a pair of pants, yelling and screaming at the top of their lungs, they're off their medication. If they had their medication, they'd be fine. But here's the problem. If they had a salutogenic life, salutogenic meaning a wellness, if they had a salutogenic approach to life from their medical caregivers, they wouldn't need as much medication. Maybe they wouldn't need any medication. Maybe they would be out in that street. Maybe they'd be in an office somewhere running a business. Maybe they'd be teaching. Maybe they'd be a doctor. Who knows what they would be? Because mental illness affects everybody. At some point in life, Everybody's going to be affected by mental illness. Everybody. I'm sure there have been times when you have had a hard time getting out of bed for something. Maybe it was the death of one of your parents. Who knows what it is? Everybody goes through mental illness issues. And if you treat them, always treat them with medication, psychoanalysis, and institutionalization, you're going to doom some of these people to that lifestyle, whether they 
would have normally gone that way or not. Most people can recover from the, the challenges of life and we get, get it back together. We pull ourselves back together and we move on. Abraham Lincoln suffered a mental breakdown. Thank goodness. Thank goodness there wasn't Valium, there wasn't Haldol, and there wasn't Lithium when Abraham Lincoln was alive or he would have never been president of the United States. He'd have been in a mental institution somewhere. They didn't have these medications and he worked through it. And many, my, my brother needs medication, he was schizophrenic, but he did not need it as his sole means of keeping him healthy. And Victor, I want to get to treating the whole person in a moment, and we'll talk about ways that we can do what you're suggesting. But before we do, how much of what these people, all of us actually, are experiencing has to do with the stigma that's associated with mental illness, that people think this is something you can just snap out of, and they look down upon it. How do we get rid of that stigma? I would propose that we have gotten rid of the stigma. The John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation is not about removing the stigma. Athletes are coming out about the stigma. Professionals are coming out of the stigma. I do not know a lot of people that look down on people with mental health anymore. It's the problem is nobody's doing anything about it. But the, the society has, under, has begun to accept the fact that mental health and mental illness affects everyone. They did a survey, and you know I'm in the fitness industry. They did a survey, Euromonitor. It's the equivalent of basically uh, Gallup, today, but internationally. And Gallup's international too, of course. But anyway, they did a poll of why people work out. 100,000 people they polled. So you know what the main reason? Every single, and they divided them into major age groups. That being uh, the Gen Xers, the Gen Yers, the Gen Zers, and the, and the millennials. Do you know the main reason people gave for working out? Mental well-being. Mental well-being. Mental health is considered the second pandemic. Go online. There's not a, you, every single media, soccer comes out, the, the, the tennis player, everybody's talking about mental health. I think we're there, and I've been in this for 10 years, we're there. We no longer have to push the stigma, stigma, stigma. It's time to start pushing treatment, treatment, treatment. Because as long as we're about the stigma, we raise money for awareness instead of focusing on, on, on doing something about it. So uh, my brother, when he had mental illness, that was a stigma that was 45 years ago. But I don't think it's what, I don't think that's the main challenge anymore. I, all you got to do is go, go out and ask all your friends how many of them are seeing therapists. Everybody I know is seeing a therapist. Right. There was a time. There was a time you would, you would never admit you're seeing a therapist. Now you talk about it openly. Go to a restaurant and just start eavesdropping. Everybody's talking about their therapist. That's mental health. So I truly believe we've passed that hurdle. And I, I just look at the at the, uh, the military, PTSD. There was a time a military individual. You're on the movie Patton. Maybe you do, maybe you never saw it. But in that, and it's a true story, General Patton, one of the heroes of World War II, was criticized for, for hitting a soldier because he was the soldier was claiming he had, quote, uh, uh, battle fatigue. You know what battle fatigue is? PTSD. Can you imagine today a military person hitting a soldier for PTSD? PTSD is, is, is common, it's accepted. And you know what's accepted about PTSD? That everyone that has been in combat, everyone experiences it, not just the weak. PTSD, as I'm sure you will agree, is as accepted a 
clinical diagnosis as a common cold. So, you know, that's an example. And if there's anyone that in the old days could not show fear and could not say they were weak and could not say they had mental health issues, it was the military. You know, you had said earlier that every one of us at some point in our life has most likely dealt with a mental health issue. And the work that I'm doing now, Victor, is the result of that. More than a decade ago, in a period of six months, my mother died, my sister died, my oldest son left for college, and my 23-year marriage ended. And from that, I was extremely depressed to the point of considering taking my own life because I didn't know how to move forward. This work, it's because I learned the importance of the whole body approach to healing, the way we move, what we think, how, how we eat, all of that was what I implemented to move forward. And I know that you're a proponent on exercise and treating the whole person, and you actually just released a, a new report that talks about the impact of exercise and movement on mental health. What is it you believe we should be doing, and, and what did this report teach us? Okay, so uh, I'll answer the question, but I'll kind of refer back to the, the issue about the stigma. As I, so, and I'm very sorry to hear of your story, but there is always a story for people like us. We got into it because there's a story. And the stigma, as I said, is, I don't know, is that is no longer, is uh, still the main challenge. The acceptance of the treatment is, and here is why. Because people like yourself and people like myself, we know what works for us and what works in, in our circles, but there is not as much science as you think that substantiates it. And the science that has been done needs to be promoted so that the medical community and the insurance community and even the general public is aware of what's out there, what research has been done, and begins to accept it as mainstream, as opposed to what I said previously, which was medication, psychoanalysis, and institutionalization. So we, the John W. Mental Health Foundation, collated over 1,100 studies, and we categorized them, all related to movement and mental health. And we, the, the, the report that we compiled, or the data that we compiled is in a report called Move Your Mental Health. And it's a Move Your Mental Health report, and it's on our website. You can go there and see what we've done. But we took all the information, and basically we collated it as to what uh, type of movement was studied, how many people were in the study, whether it was a, what was the level of the study based on a peer review being the top, level all the way down to the anecdotal level of uh, re, uh, reviews that had a very minimal scientific basis. And and so you can go and find a report on everything from yoga and, and mind-body as well as movement. But, you know, we have meditation, we have cardiovascular, we've got strength training, we've got uh, swimming, we've got, uh, you know, almost every form of movement that has a, has had a study done, and you can basically see what the research is and what the findings are, and, and the number. It's difficult to explain because it's, it's so thorough in, in, in what we've done, but you, you can basically uh, see an overview of, of any study that has 
done in the field of movement and how it relates to mental health, mental wellness, and mental illness. And we're hoping that this is something that will become a resource for medical professionals to use. I would like to see every psychologist, every therapist, every psychiatrist refer to this report when they are treating their, their patients and and get them to begin to implement the salutogenic whole holistic process. And once again, that report is the Move Your Mental Health Report, and it can be found at johnwbrickfoundation.org. Victor, in our final moments, if you could leave our listeners with a piece of advice, what would it be? The piece of advice would be to take control of your wellness, your self, and start to employ self-care in your life. Take control of your health and well-being. Whether you have mental health issues or not, and, or whether you are working, having, have it in your family or, or somebody that you're uh, responsible for, there is self-care and there is health care. Leave the health care to the medical professionals. You know, when John was psychotic, he needed health care. But whenever possible, employ self-care in terms of diet, nutrition, exercise, mental uh, uh, mind-body practices. Do your research. Use this study. Uh, there are other resources and books and literature. Do not abdicate control of your sense of health and well-being and those that you love to others and basically employ self-care to help you be a happier, healthier individual. Victor, thank you so much for joining us. For our listeners, once again, it's the johnwbrickfoundation.org. That's the website to get a copy of the report or to just, it's a wonderful hub of resources, so I encourage everyone to visit it. And Victor, I want to thank you so much for spending this time with us. This is such an, an important topic. It's always important, but I think even coming off of the year that we've just experienced, it's even more relevant if that's possible. So I'm really happy that you're here and that you've shared this with all of us. Well, again, it's a pleasure to being on the show, and I, uh, I am always available to to discuss the critical issue of mental health and mental wellness. And like you said, because of COVID, it is more important than ever. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guests and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.